Well, we've just read there in Acts 22 about the, the conversion of, of Paul. And it's a strange thing that in the Acts of the Apostles, three times, in fact, we get this whole account being uh, repeated of, of Saul's conversion. You got it in, in Acts 9, and then it's, it's repeated by Paul in Acts 22 and in Acts 26. Now, why, given that every word of God is inspired and has meaning, why would the same basic account be repeated three times? It seems to me that the conversion of Paul is in fact our kind of paradigm. It's something not that we look at as just some historical kind of interest, but that this actually is something for all of us to to get involved in and to see that he, his conversion is actually a pattern for, for ours. You may like to look at First Timothy chapter 1 verse 16 where he, he talks about his conversion. First uh, Timothy 1 16 he says in 15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. That is, this seems to be one of the little um, catch cries of the, the first century church. A faithful saying worthy of all acceptation. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first, or as the RV says, that in me as chief, as chief of a tribe, might Jesus Christ show forth all his long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe? So then, the conversion of Paul was a pattern to all those who should hereafter believe. So there he was, going one way, as we know, completely convinced about persecuting Christians and, and hating the whole idea, the whole ethos of, of the Lord Jesus and his followers. And then he is stopped in his tracks and is turned round another way. Now, I guess for most of us, we do not have a specific point in time where we can say, on the 22nd of August, at 3.32 in the afternoon, such and such a place, you know, I had a Damascus Road experience. I guess most of us can't say that. But the fact that our conversion was maybe not quite so radical does not mean that in essence, it wasn't so radical, because there was no flashing light from heaven or whatever, does not mean that it was not, in that sense, so absolutely dramatic and 180 degrees also for us in our lives. Now, particularly when people are brought up within the, the sort of the ethos of Christianity, it can seem that, well, let's say being baptized or whatever, growing in our, in our sort of responsibility within the, the church, within the community of believers, what was kind of a natural thing. It was something that we drifted into. But according to the New Testament, there is a, a doctrine of conversion and of new creation. Now, this is something absolutely radical. It means that we were one way and we became another way. Paul was going one place and he turned around and had to go to another place as it were. And so, let's have a look at, at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, where I believe we have one of the very many allusions that Paul makes in his writings back to what happened on the Damascus Road. He says 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So then, He's alluding here, obviously, to, to creation in the first place. But he 
like the Lord Jesus does, he can allude to different things at the same time. So yes, he's saying that the change that happens in us is as dramatic as there being darkness, and then God saying, let there be light, and well, there was light. Uh, it's as dramatic as that, it is a new creation, but as I say, he's alluding here on a number of uh, points to the, the records of his conversion on the road to Damascus. We're told that there, the light shined. It's exactly the, the same ideas here, the light shined. For three days, Paul didn't see. Here we read that the light has shined out of darkness into our hearts, and that we see the glory of God. It's clear that that's what Paul saw on the way to Damascus, uh, in the face of Jesus Christ. And we're told that Jesus revealed himself to him. He, Paul says in Acts 22.11 that he could not see, he lost his sight, because of the glory of that light. And here, again, we've got the same ideas, the glory and the light shining. And so, what I want us to notice, though, is that Paul says, this has happened in our hearts, not just in my heart, in, in Paul's experience, but this has happened to all of us. So then, that new creation, that someone can be made totally new, that out of nothing from the point of view of a person standing on earth, watching, as it were, uh, creation, light appears. Totally new concept. Light just appeared. And it's, it's the same with this huge paradigm break that has to happen in, in human life. Now, we can learn a number of things from that. The life that we were living before this conversion experience was in darkness. It may, of course, not mean that we didn't know anything about about the Lord Jesus, but basically we were in darkness. That if we're going to appreciate the, the, the magnitude of what has happened to us, we have to appreciate, therefore and thereby, the darkness that we were in before this conversion experience. Now, I'm very careful... Uh, what I'm going to say now, but it could be that that moment of conversion, that this light shining in the darkness could actually have happened to us after our baptisms. Because you can get baptized for all kind of reasons, for all kind of motives. That, well, I finished the course, and now I, yeah, I understand this bit of doctrine or whatever, what's the next move? Uh, baptism. Okay, or I like this church, I like this group of people. I'd like to join them. What do I have to do? Uh, yeah, okay, baptism. So it can be that, that the actual conversion experience is not actually at the moment of baptism. Now, I'm not saying that baptism, of course, is, is not important. But we've got, to, we've got to see that there has been something dramatic done to us. And dare I say it, it could be that some who are listening to these words may yet have that to come. There has to be a time when we realize that I was drifting, just drifting, in, in, you know, drifting maybe closer and closer, but I, I was not, as it were, over the waterfall. I didn't surrender myself to him. And the idea of surrendering ourselves, of giving our heart, that, that maybe we, we fight shy of that. But that is the, the whole message of the gospel, that we surrender ourselves to him. 
that light shines out of darkness and this new creation, this huge unleashing of power, of divine power, it occurs within the human mind that we are changed now in this life I know that of course our nature is not changed and we're longing for the day when it will be but our mind internal to us, our, our spirit is, is changed is being changed and sometimes when you look back you do see that that something dramatic has happened that was how I was and now I am, I don't mean I'm in that sense <clears throat> so much better or better guy or whatever but I am new this is the whole point of what Paul talks about in, in Romans 6 when he says, okay, when you're baptized, you shared in the resurrection of Christ that you might live in newness of life. Into our lives, his power breaks through, as uh, I think one of the Praise the Lord songs says, that we're, if you like, in an ongoing experience of baptism, of dying and rising again, of this outbreak uh, of the new life, the, the spirit uh, into us so then <clears throat> Paul there on, on the Damascus road was a picture was a pattern for all of us to, to ultimately follow and that's why so many times in his writings he says that we are to follow him even as he follows Jesus there's a, a huge number of passages where he talks about him being our pattern I ask you brothers Galatians 4 verse 12 be as I am. 1 Corinthians uh, 11, verse, verse 1. Be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. And that there's almost 10 of these, at least 9 for sure, where Paul is clearly saying that he has been set up, as it were, as our living example. So there was something special about Paul. And I think that that's one reason why we have a huge amount of information about this guy. That there's a lot of information about what he looked like. You, you can piece it together. Because he is really to be our, our pattern. I mean, of course, the Lord Jesus is our pattern. But on a, on a more human level, he is set up as the, if you like, the model disciple. The model convert to Jesus. It's often occurred to me that wouldn't it just be great to see one man, at least one, one brother or one sister, one, one person, let's say, on this earth who really wholly committed themselves to, to God and his son and his word, his truth, and to just see what that one person could do. I've often in an idle moment thought of that. Wouldn't it just be, be greater to just uh, know somebody in our ecclesia, in our, in our church, who, who's like that, who totally gave themselves without any reserve to all the wonderful things that we keep reading about in, in the Bible and the, the ideas we, we know and the, the odd visions we get of the man that uh, I could be, etc. And yet when you think about it, there is such a person, and that was Paul, but above all, there is such a person in, in the Lord Jesus. I think in Jesus and in Paul, we see what is possible for for the human being. Now, I know as soon as we think about Jesus, we straight on start straight away start to say, "Ah, yeah, but but he had a virgin birth, and I, I didn't have a virgin birth." And uh, well, you know, it's so much harder for me, and da da. And well, that uh, that's sort of opening, I suppose, a, a wider theological question. But summing up, I query whether we are justified in saying that, and why I query that 
it is because the language used about the Lord's virgin birth is in fact later on picked up, alluded to in the New Testament, and applied to us. But, okay, let's say that that's, that's not a valid argument, and let's say that, all right, so there was some divine bias in the Lord Jesus, which is not in us, all right? Okay, but what do we say about Paul? I, I mean, that argument disappears there. That even if we, we feel some sort of theological or practical hesitation to say that I can be like Jesus, okay, well, whether that's valid, legitimate or not, that's one issue, but... Uh, Forget about that for a moment. Okay, now let's take Paul. Now, we can't slip out of that one quite so quite so conveniently. Not at all. Because, I mean, we, we know that he had all our, all our background dysfunction, uh, and, and he came from a, a totally anti, uh, anti-Jesus background. Now, as you go through the records, you find Paul changing. And that change that happened to him on the Damascus Road was maybe not instantaneous. I, I mean, of course, the, uh, the the appearance of Jesus was all was all literal, but he was not transformed overnight, and neither are we. So maybe when we say, "Yeah, well, I didn't have a Damascus Road," in a sense, maybe Paul did neither. Maybe that was the way that the Lord sort of got his attention and told him what was appointed for him to do. Um, but maybe it wasn't so dramatic. As you read about him going around preaching, you, you notice that on the first missionary journey, no longer do you read of Saul, you start reading of Paul. Now, as far as we know, the Lord didn't tell him to change his name. But Paul means the little one. I think you see him, as he takes the gospel to people, I, I think you see him learning humility. Instead of being Saul, you know, the uh, the Benjamite, you know, he was a, of the tribe of Benjamin, just as King Saul had been. Um, instead of thinking of himself as, as the great Saul, maybe persecuting Jesus, like Saul persecuted David, um, he, he quits that and calls himself the little one, Paul the, the little one. When you put his letters in sort of chronological order, and they're not in chronological order in the English Bible, but uh, if you do put them in, in chronological order, it seems that his aware, awareness of his own sinfulness increases. One of his earlier letters was in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 9, and he says, oh, he says, although um, I am an apostle, I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the, the church of God. I am the least, he says, of the apostles. A bit later, he writes the Ephesians, Ephesians 3, verse 8, and he says, I am the least of all the saints, of all the believers, and to me was this grace given to preach the gospel. Then when he comes to write to Timothy at the end of his life, 1 Timothy 1.15, he says, This is a faithful and true saying, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. So he starts off in Corinthians saying, I'm the least of the apostles, then he says, I'm the least of all the believers, and then he says, I am the worst sinner that there has been. So I think that progressively he did come to realize his sinfulness. When you put together these three records of his conversion that you've got there in Acts 9, in Acts 22, and Acts 26, Acts 9, I suppose, is sort of the historical fact, and then Paul re, re, sort of recounts the story in Acts 22, and then at his later trial, he recounts it again in Acts 26. And you see, as the records go on, he talks about his persecution of the Christians 
in more and more sort of arresting, gripping, awful language. And I think that in itself is an indication that the more he thought about himself, the more he saw his own weakness. Now, to give another, another example of where I think Paul developed, it was in his attitude to his brethren. In Galatians 1.15, he, he talks about his, his conversion, and then he, he almost emphasizes his loneliness, how okay, he started off preaching, and then he went off for three years into, into Arabia. And he says, there, I, I wasn't with anybody. He said, I, I didn't go up to Jerusalem um, like I... Um, uh, immediately, I only went to Jerusalem three years later, and I didn't really uh, meet any of the apostles. I met Peter, and even that wasn't for very long. The whole emphasis is upon him as a loner, him as not really wanting involvement with his brethren at the start of his life. And even a bit later on in Acts 15, uh, at the end of Acts 15, uh, he has this argument with uh, Barnabas over over uh, John Mark and uh, Paul says no we're not having this guy coming with us and Barnabas says yeah we should and then Paul clears off and takes Silas with him and there, there was a division it says amongst them now that sort of language is very different to the sort of language that you read later on in Paul's writings when he, he talks in, in Corinthians 1 Corinthians 13, uh, for example, about love, how love is patient, that, that love is not like that, that love seeks, the, seeks to see the, the good in people. He talks uh, in such fine terms throughout his later letters about love, about the maturity, if you like, of, of love. He talks also about, increasingly, about his terribly strong desire to see the face of his brother. He talks about how awful it is for him to be separated from uh, the Thessalonians, for example. He talks about how his spirit is with them, even though, unfortunately, he can't be with them. Now... This is a, a totally different kind of uh, Paul to the one who pushed off on his own straight after his conversion and, and the Paul who had the, the row over, uh, over John Mark. Now, what happened? Well, I don't think, as I say, that there was a Damascus road in, in, in that sense for Paul where suddenly the rather self-centered, uh, fiery, uh, self-obsessive individual suddenly became this, this great man of love who... He's always talking in all his letters about how he prays all the time for the brethren that he's writing to his whole life. If you put all those sort of verses together, his whole life must have been a life of prayer for others. Um, this is a somewhat different Paul to the one whom he describes in Galatians chapter 1 just after his baptism. So what happened? Well, it's multifactorial. Yes, there's an increasing sense of his own sinfulness. He sees more and more the importance of, of the church as in the body of Christ. He grows in his understanding of grace. As I say, if you put the, the letters chronologically and go through them, you chase uh, certain words through those letters, you can see how some words he just starts to use more in his later letters. Um, for example, the uh, prefix sun, 
which is like together. Um, fellow workers, together workers, fellow laborers, fellow prisoners, fellow preachers. He uses that sort of word more and more uh, in his later letters. He sees his own weakness, the need for his brethren, the need to be under the yoke of, of the Lord Jesus. So then, what about us? We said earlier that Paul is really set up as our pattern, as the one that we should follow. And, as I say, I don't think all these changes happen overnight. The fact is, though, that all the same, looking back on it, there has been a huge conversion experience going on in us. And Paul's conversion was and is our pattern. He says uh, in Acts 22, when he recounts the the conversion that he had, he says that he, he was told to go into Damascus, and there it was told him of all the things which were appointed for him to do. And maybe this is a thought that we'll conclude with, but I think he has that idea before him in Ephesians 2 verse 10, where he says that we, that is not just him, but all of us, are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. I read that as meaning that God has, as it were, appointed certain things for us to do. Just as he did with, with, with Paul. You know, he appeals to, to him, or to, to Saul, and says, you know, don't kick against the pricks, accept me, and these are the things that I have appointed for you to do. And in essence, there are certain things ordained or appointed for us to do also. The problem is that we maybe don't perceive what those things are. And I suggest that if you feel you're in that category, that you should pray to God and ask him, and keep on asking him, to reveal those things to you. I feel that I'm probably in a minority in this, because I felt from really soon after my baptism, I think I saw, I did see, uh, quite clearly what I should do. Whether I did it or not is another story, but I, I tried, maybe. Uh, I, I perceived certain things that was to be, as it were, my field of service. But I meet many brothers and sisters who, who didn't have that sense. And I fear sometimes that it's actually the majority. And so I really do urge you to ask God you know, what your talents are. We've all been given these different uh, pounds or talents or whatever you know, in, in the parable of Jesus, and we are to go and do something with them. And we've each been given different ones. And we between us are the reflection of the Lord Jesus here on, on the earth. We, each one, um, are therefore going to be revealing different parts of his body to this world. So that finally, I think, by the time it's all over and the Lord Jesus finally does come, over history, over time, all the various people that have been baptized will have revealed different parts of his character to their fullness, so that he has been fully manifested on this earth. And then I think he will come and raise the dead, and we will, all of us who have been part of his body, will therefore be glorified into one. So then, getting back though to, to Paul's conversion, this is what 
we're being told to do, I think, when we're being told that there is good works, that are good works that have been ordained, that we should go out and do them. Jesus told, told Paul that there were things that were appointed for him to do. So then, have we been changed? Are we being changed? These are the questions I suppose that uh, I can ask you, but only you can really answer or get, get some sort of handle on. Is it really true that Paul's conversion is a pattern for you and me? Is that really the case? Is it really so that who we were before we met Jesus, before our conversion, um, and who we are now, are so radically different as they were in Paul? Because that's how it should be. There should have been, and there should be by the time we're over and through, uh, there should be that same radical difference between the person that you and I once were and the person that we have been transformed into. So then, remember then, 2 Corinthians 4, that Paul is saying that the light of the glory of God has shone in our hearts just as it did in, in, into, the, uh, into the world of Paul as he was on the way to, to Damascus. And we said there that Paul was not only alluding back to his Damascus Road experience, he was alluding back to, to creation. And, as you know, the new creation is a wonderful major doctrine in, in Paul's teaching in the New Testament. And really, it is a ladder to reach the stars, because so often we feel, we all feel, in one way or another, that the way was set by my background, by my parents, by my experience of life, by the way that I went, by who I was, by how I was in the past, by how other people were, genetic structure, etc., etc., and so really this is how I have to be. I may make cosmetic improvements, but this is the path that I am called to go down. But, well, I wish I could be better. I wish I wasn't like this. I wish I didn't have that habit or this weakness. I wish I could achieve this, that, or the other. But, unfortunately, poor me, I can't because I am only who I am. And, I'm, you know, the way is set. The die has been cast and, and that's my, my destiny in, in this world. There's a lot of talk about that. I mean, some people say I'm an alcoholic because, well, it's genetic. That's, that's nonsense, of course. But um, people end up feeling like that, that uh, they are stuck in this path in which they, they feel they've been put on by destiny and they can't get off it. Now, as I say, Paul's doctrine of the new creation, of a light bursting into human life, into the human heart, and transforming us and us being transformed this is a, an absolutely you know, as I say, a ladder to reach the stars but all this idea about well poor me, I'm only like I am because I'm only like I am and because that's well, what's what destiny dished up to me That's you know, the, the way is set for me no, this is all swept absolutely away, that we can be transformed you can be transformed, I can be transformed and you and I have been transformed, I, I like to believe. Because Paul's conversion is the pattern for, our, for, for ours. If any man, if any woman, if any person be in Christ, that person is a new creation. Thank you.